Hello, and welcome to Unleash Your Inner Creative with Lauren LaGrasso. I'm Lauren LaGrasso, and this show is meant to help you make creativity the filter for your life, redefine your relationship with fear by taking it out of the driver's seat, step more fully into the essence of who you are, and claim your right to have a dream and take up space. And today, you're going to hear from a guest that's really going to help you delve into the concept of taking up space, taking fear out of the driver's seat, and claiming your dream. But before I tell you about her, I want to ask you a favor. If you love the show and it's helped you, please consider leaving a rating and review. I know it seems simple, but it really helps bring the show visibility and push it up the charts so that it can connect with more people and more creatives. Also, consider sharing the show on your Instagram stories or Twitter. Tag the guest at Unleash Your Inner Creative, and at Lauren LaGrasso, and I will repost it to share my gratitude. Word of mouth is very important for show discovery, and if you like what you hear, please share and help grow this creative community so that there's more really amazing, creatively expressed people out there who are making the world a better place. Now to the amazing guest. Her name is Caroline Stokes. She is a comedian, dancer, visual artist, musician, and self-expression expert, and I am so thrilled to have her on the show. She's best known for being featured on CTV National News for a wild and hilarious video collaboration she did with the one and only Bill Murray, that's right, Bill Murray as her character Doug Carl, and for her signature Caroline side-by-side posts she does on Instagram and TikTok. I wanted to have Caroline on the show because she is fully herself in all she does. And it is that reason that I believe she's so successful as a comedian and performer. Ever since she really embraced her full self and followed her joy, she has been blowing up on social media. Lately, she's been climbing by the thousands each week. She's a great example for all of us of the magic that can happen when we own every piece of ourselves. The beautiful, the sexy, the hilarious, the awkward, and the mess. All of that is us. And when we integrate those pieces... It's then and only then that we can truly unleash our inner creative. Caroline's also a listener of the show, which makes her success that much more meaningful. From this conversation, you'll learn how to find yourself through movement, integrate your full self, release familial judgment, the power of saying what you want out loud, how owning your sexuality and sensuality can lead you to owning your funny, how she got the idea for her viral Instagram and TikTok series, and finally, how she and Bill Murray became friends on an international flight. Now here she is, Caroline Stokes. So, Caroline, I'm so happy we're finally talking. This is like literal months in the making. I think you reached out to me maybe right as quarantine was beginning. And I was like, oh, send me a pitch. And then I followed you back and I started watching your content. I'm like, oh, she doesn't have to send me a pitch. I love this girl. I get her and she's putting things out that are making the world a better place. So anyway, long story short, I'm a huge fan of yours and super grateful you're here. Thank you. I woke up this morning and it felt like Christmas morning. And last night felt like Christmas Eve. And yeah, it was the spring that I reached out because I've been listening to your podcast and now here I am. I'm speechless, which isn't a good thing when I'm about to... be a guest on a podcast, but I'll do my best. Thank I have you. no doubt that you'll find your speech. Thank you. Okay. I want to hear a little bit of your origin story. Like when did you discover comedy? When did you come to it? And how did you know it was the one? 
I come from a line of very talented performers. My Nana was a, a very funny and talented actress. She did a lot of community theater. And when did I think it was the one? I have always enjoyed performing in some way. It wasn't until the last, I would say five years. So from my late twenties and into my thirties that I really started to listen to how much I need comedy in my life. I grew up obsessed with Jim Carrey and Martin Short. I really love physical comedy. And now that I find myself doing it more in a, in a somewhat public way or a quite public way, yeah, it's kind of been there all along. I, I can't remember one specific aha moment, but I love, I've always loved moving my body in interesting ways. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say weird, but not weird. It's no. interesting. <laughs> Nothing's weird. Yes, I agree. I agree. I love that. So it's more of a feeling for you. Feeling, yeah. Yeah, and maybe two years ago, I was exploring something called ecstatic dance. Have you heard of ecstatic dance? No, but I feel like I do that every day. <laughs> I know. I've been seeing you moving around, and we'll have to dance together sometime. Yeah. You know what we should do when this episode comes out? We should make a dance party that we co-host, and maybe like it's a pay-what-you-can situation, and we just lead the dance worship. Yes. That would be amazing. Could be good, but tell me you called it a, I love that you called it a dance worship too. Cause it's, it does. It makes me feel like closer to God when I dance. This is me outside of any expectations of what anyone has for me outside of what I thought was possible for myself or like what I think I should be doing, or it's one of the only things I do that doesn't have some sort of result. It's just to do it. So what is ecstatic dance? I'm curious. It's well, it was put on um, by a friend of mine named Janelle, and it's strictly, it's exactly what you said. It's, it's worshiping movement or however you want to move or express yourself. So it was a Tuesday evening and it was like a midweek rave. The person that facilitated it is a DJ. So she would put on a great playlist for an hour and a half. And it takes you through a series of, of different rhythms and different types of music that could evoke different feelings Mm. and you just move to express yourself. It's a combination of hearing the music, paying attention to how you're feeling and letting go of what you look like and just moving. And then if you don't feel inspired to move, sit in a corner and stretch or spin around on the floor. It was like a kindergarten class for adults, but it was really supportive and really therapeutic and each class has a theme like courage courage heart or all these powerful phrases and you're kind of working through things so so that's what it, it was fabulous so with movement I try to balance two two things I try to pay attention to the quirky comedic ways that I like to move my body and get comfortable with feeling awkward or looking bad or and being moving in an other kind of way and then also embracing more of a a sensual or 
um, ways that connects to yeah connects you're, to me in different ways. You're yeah. like really hitting home right now for me. Yeah, yeah, because so relate because I think prior to quarantine, I had, I mean, I like dancing sexy, but I never felt like. And by dancing sexy, I mean dancing in a more sensual way, like what you're saying. But I never felt comfortable with it. I only felt like comfortable like being like the funny, quirky girl who's like doing weird, really over the top movements. And ever since I've been dancing by myself every single night, I let myself do those still because that's still a piece of me. But I'm also acknowledging this other piece of myself that I had been afraid to embrace because I think it felt so powerful and so scary to stand in that power that I shunned it. And I love that it's through embracing those two different parts of yourself, which there's infinite parts of yourself, but like these two pieces through dance, you've really found expression. And so was this dance, it's called ecstatic dance? Yeah. So was doing this dance kind of the inciting incident for some of the characters you've created? Like how is this connected to what you're doing with comedy today? I would say it, it gave me the experience of moving freely in front of people. There, was, there were probably at least 15 people there back when, or 20, back when we could all do those things. Yeah. And it gave the feeling of for trying to forget what you look like and and just moving and being able to, so it, I felt like it gave me this empowerment and this pride around hunching over and tucking in my butt and <laughs> <laughs> moving around the, moving around. For the those room, that like, don't know, that's one of Caroline's hallmarks when she's doing her funny, like side-by-side dancing. I mean, I, yes, I can, it's so funny. Even you just describing it, I'm like picturing so many of your different posts in my head thank you it makes me think of when a dog gets really excited and it tucks his butt under and just goes nuts (laughs) yes that's (laughs) so so yeah it gave me that freedom to start to play with it and also one thing that I realized going into that class is how often I resort to being funny I can totally relate with what you said about being the one on the dance floor that's just causing taking up a lot of space and doing erratic movements and there's a lot of space around you. Yeah. And you're the first one out there. You're the last one to leave and you're just like effing things up in the best way. And and that is so much fun. But like, I don't know. I think that even it's so interesting. Like there's something you're touching on right now and I'm not able to fully put it into words because I'm so in the thick of this discovery in my own life. But, but, but by not, acknowledging this like sensual part of yourself you're also not really acknowledging the funny fun part of yourself because you're like you're playing a character almost it's it's not as authentic as it could be because you're shunning this other piece of yourself and so I just got a shiver here I have full body shivers right now oh yeah Uh, me too it this is such a huge thing and I think especially for women but it's interesting because what you're describing is that in owning your own inherent sexiness and like sensuality, you've actually found your more authentic funny. 
And I think this is such a good lesson for all of us that when we're shunning a piece of ourselves, that it's a big piece of ourselves, we're not actually going to even be able to do the thing we do best in a real authentic way because there's this whole other limb that we're chopping off that actually has a, a place to serve in the thing that's at the forefront of our creative journey or our life. I completely understand and, I, and, and completely agree. One thing that I'm noticing, and w- w- this was the one thing that I said when I started that class was I don't, my go-to is to make fun of, move, make fun of myself or make light of, make light of movement and not really connecting and being serious about why I'm moving a certain way. And, and I wanted to, my initial, my initial feeling going into that class, I I said to everyone that I didn't, my go-to is to come into this room and want to perform for everyone as opposed to being in my own space. And yeah, like you're saying, tuning into what feels good and connecting with your body and how something feels and being okay with it being sexy or feeling sexy. And that, yeah, that completely adds on to, to, to being more comedic or being able to express yourself more fully. I think I had the experience within the last year of, of performing in front of my parents at two solo shows that I did here in Edmonton. And it was the first time being on stage and being in a small outfit, pretty small outfit. It was, it was quirky. I was, I had these shiny green, small shorts on and this bra top that I painted bright colors. And then I had a a blue blazer on and a boa and I made some glasses. I looked like a fusion of Lady Gaga and Elton John. And I just felt so good. Yeah. But it was that first experience of owning the owning who I am and letting my parents and other friends and family see how I really like to express myself. And there's, you know, like you said, there's so many different parts of us, but people get used to seeing us in a certain way. So for example, family dinners, you're dressed a certain way, Sunday dinners, you're acting, you're all acting a certain way. And then as a person starting to put themselves out there, there's this feeling of, I think that's another layer of vulnerability is knowing that your family is going to be seeing you in a different way. Maybe there's people in your life that are seeing you dance in a certain way. They're used to seeing you be the, the quirky one. Now they're, they're seeing, oh, she's moving in a, like a more, you know, moving differently. And that's vulnerable. And I really applaud you for that. Yeah. It's so interesting. Cause I feel like this talk is coming at the exact right time. I literally sat my parents down on Sunday and I was like, listen, cause I come from an Italian Catholic background, the talk of sex and like sexuality when I was younger was very much abstinence only and stay a virgin till marriage. And if I came down wearing a cute outfit, my mom would say, you look pretty, be careful. That was literally the quote. And so I had all these weird feelings of shame and fear around owning that piece of myself all the while knowing like this is a huge piece of who I am that I'm confining because I'm afraid of the judgment of others of bringing shame to my parents. Even though I know that they love me unconditionally, I know that not owning this piece of myself and not talking about it publicly 
is stopping me from being the best creator I could be, is stopping me from being a better musician, is stopping me from being a better human because I'm, I'm kind of by withholding, I'm lying about this huge aspect of who I am. And so the idea that you did this show where you fully embodied yourself, not just the funny, silly parts, but also the sensual parts and the out there parts of you that maybe you had been confining or trying to keep small so that others felt comfortable. I think that is such a pivotal moment in every creative's journey. I'm literally at the very beginning of it. But yeah, I don't think we can overlook the moment we step into ourselves. The thing I say at the beginning of every podcast, like part of the goal of this podcast is to help people claim their right to have a dream and take up space and taking up space and and really stepping into the essence of who you are. That is such a huge part that is like indivisible from our creative journey and our creative success. And it's just really powerful that when you started to do that is when you started to be seen. Shivers. (laughs) Yes. I love your taking up space phrase. I've been reading that. I wrote it down again this morning. And yeah, it's, it, it makes me think of the literal space on a dance floor and just flailing and whatever it is, but also taking up space within yourself and owning it, filling yourself up with yourself. Yeah. And exploring all these different sides. And, and it's so true. You read it a million times or you see it in, you see it in all sorts of memes or inspirational quotes or whatever it is. And it's always about just be yourself and things will happen. And it's just so true. But getting to that point of how do I am myself, I'm living, I have a job and I have this and that. But it's, it's like a step further that when like what you said, taking up space and, and owning these things and exploring and yeah, finding a good way to express yourself or not a good way, finding a way that you want to express yourself. An honest way. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be flailing on a dance floor. Some people just, some people just don't connect with movement. It's, it's just finding that creative thing. I believe any, everyone's creative. Some people are really great at, I don't know, handwriting. I'm terrible at handwriting. I'm terrible at or, handwriting. Are you? Oh man. Oh, I man. have such chicken I was, scratch. I was made fun of relentlessly as a child. I actually got really sensitive about it. I wrote one of my college essays about how I've been discriminated against because of my bad handwriting. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, it was, I know, tortured. So tortured. What college program was that? I don't remember. I don't remember. I think it was just something you were supposed to show your personality with. I think it was a cute message. Obviously, it's not like some great hardship, but I was really like, when I was younger, made to feel like less than or not achieving the status of girl well, because I wasn't neat and tidy and had beautiful handwriting. And so I think that essay was really about, well, like the things we're talking about, about owning who you are. I think that when I stopped saying, oh yeah, my handwriting's bad and said, yeah, it is. And I like it. That was like a pretty big shift for me. And it didn't happen until high school. So yeah, we don't need to dot our eyes with hearts. Yeah. Bitch. We don't need that. Just yeah. We're gonna we're gonna dot them with a weird lopsided dot, and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, so, and sometimes not at all. <laughs> I'm gonna leave you guessing. Is that an L? Is it an I? I don't know. 
if you don't know how to spell by now. (laughs) Okay, so this show happens, you're doing the dance. How do you begin to get the courage to like fully put yourself out there on Instagram? Was there a defining moment where you're like, I'm going to put this video out and I'm scared, but I'm going to do it. Tell me how this started. I think about um, the things that Celeste Barber is doing. And she's just so great. And I was fascinated by what she was doing. And there was, with the show that I was talking about, it was a year ago in my little colorful outfit. It was me, but it was, I didn't do a lot of physical comedy. I, I put myself out there in different ways. I was playing and singing. I was playing piano and singing and telling stories in front of people, which, which are all things that I wanted to do. But I didn't have, I wasn't doing what, I was, what I'm doing now. And then the, this last Christmas, I did a, a Christmas show and it was a little bit more. I had, I did more dance and I added more, I added physical comedy into that. So it was, it was closer to really being me and expressing my love of music, my love of singing, telling comedic, inspiring stories. And then did I say dance? And then it also incorporated yes. dance. And so I saw a video on Instagram that, that I had saved because it just stood out for me. It, it was by Coco, is it Roca? Rocha? Coco Rocha, the I model? Know. I don't know. She's a very eccentric, I don't know a lot about her, but I know that when she's doing her photo shoot, she's very expressive and quirky and she just really gets into it. And this video, it just, I just found it so interesting. And I thought that would be a really, really interesting one to recreate so I had my friend Danelle film me do uh, recreating what she was doing. And I never want to use the word imitate or mock. It's not what I want to do. It's highlighting what the person's doing. But it was that first video that, for whatever reason, graced my Instagram explore page. <laughs> and then, so I had it. <laughs> so you did a side by side with that one. Yeah, I did a side by side. And explain what that is for anyone who doesn't know. I'm attempting to do what the professional is doing. And it's often dancing and sometimes animals, which I think is so fun. <laughs> I love the animals oh, so much. So yeah, there's a, there's a professional on the, <laughs> me too. This, I think a... the animals may be my favorite. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. I love the animals. So yeah, the, the person's on the left and, and it, I'm on the right trying and I am trying. I don't like to do a lot of takes. I, the only reason I'll do a couple of takes is to just get the alignment right or to change my costume or something, but I like it to be a real, uh, quite a real genuine attempt. And then of course I can't, I definitely ham it up and tuck my butt under and do all that stuff. I definitely ham it up. Um, but yeah, that I'll never forget when, so these videos were, were going over really well. I'm kind of getting away from your initial question, which I'll answer. Yeah. Did I answer it? That's how. Well, yeah. You, so I asked you, how did it? you start doing it? Like, what, what, like, I guess what I want to know from that though, what was the feeling when you put it out? Was it just like excitement? This was this fun, exciting thing. Were you scared at all of how it would be received? How, did, what was the feeling behind putting out that first side-by-side video? There, it was all those things. It was fear of looking back at myself or it was fear of 
putting it out and knowing it was a bit, it was a bit odd. I think I had been, I had, I feel like I've been slowly introducing different parts of me on Instagram or social media in general, instead of all at once. And that necessarily was, that wasn't a calculated decision. It's just happens organically, but, but this physical comedy side of me, I hadn't really shown. So yeah, I was, I felt scared. I was looking at the awkward angles that I was being filmed in a lot of below angle and all those bad shots. Yeah, I was, but, but I also could imagine the feeling of not doing it and not posting it. And I would, that feeling was way worse or way more powerful than that feeling of putting it out there. And also I really loved it. I thought it was great. I thought that's me right there. Yeah. So certainly putting it out there. It was a mix of everything. For somebody right now who is on the journey, starting to get the tingles of wanting to do something that's more themselves or a different part of themselves, but really encountering the fear, what would be your advice on like taking the fear out of the driver's seat and at least putting it shotgun or in the back seat? Yeah, I really enjoy that phrase. I have a friend named Jillian Shecker who, who, you know, reminds us to have a chat with fear and say, fear... I hear you. I hear what you're saying, but I'm not going to listen to you today because fear will always be there. Mm-hmm. It's like when you're trying not to eat bread, all you want is bread. It's like, just eat bread. Yeah. I want to like so, literally live inside of a loaf of bread. That's my uh, next move. Oh. Send me your address when you find the loaf of loaf your dreams. Life. Loaf life. <laughs> oh, you can wear loafers. <laughs> and be a loaf what is a loaf like a, a loaf anyway like a loaf I don't know <laughs> so you're telling me about Jillian yeah but so recognizing that the fear will always be there but it's how much um, of a voice do you give that fear so I try to imagine that feeling of not doing it that feeling of listening to fear is for me, it feels like regret and longing and wishing that I would have done it and, and knowing that I'm not putting myself out there. So I don't know if there's a way to uh, compare those two feelings. That's one thing that gets me continuing to put stuff out there. And also, it's just amazing how when you do something scary, that's not putting yourself or anyone else in danger it you get through it and think wow I'm still alive and I did it and it made me really sweaty and I was terrified but I did it and if it didn't go as you hoped there will be people that will have loved it you never know that's one thing you never know how people will respond to what you're doing and not that it's all about how people are going to respond but but you just never know when something is going to inspire something in in someone else did I make any sense just yeah now? no that was all amazing 
I think that's so true because you could be struggling through something and working to put something out and you're so scared about it, but you do it anyway. And then that's been, I think for me, like the most amazing thing about this podcast is like people like you have been inspired by it. I'm like, what? Like she is so incredible and it's inspired you to help you be more creative. There's a wonderful woman named Melissa who quit her day job and ended up going toward a makeup and art career. And you brought so much happiness. I mean, me and my Thank mom you. would like, when I was living at home still, would I, I would uh, sit with my mom and just, we would watch all of your videos and laugh our asses off. I mean, Thank you. you brought so much joy during a pandemic. And so I just, for you listening, I never want you to forget how much joy, hope, inspiration, your work can bring other people. It can be an inciting, an inciting incident for someone. Definitely. Yeah, you never know what will really hit home for someone. And also, when with any new endeavor, there's so many steps along the way to get to what you think is where you're trying to go. And it's, it can look like a huge mountain and you think, well, once I get up there, then my life will really be how I want my life to be. But getting to that point, there's a million steps. So thinking, trying to find ways to celebrate each step along the way is so important. Recognizing my mom always reminds me, write that down. And she told me about this today, write it down. Because you look back and think, oh, well, I did this and then this happened and then this happened and it led me to here. And then I met this person and, and it, it becomes a spider web of a, a path towards, it could be a totally different mountain. Totally. I didn't yeah. think that I would be on this mountain today. And here I am. Here we are together. So glad that we're on the mountain together. It's a mountain. I just want to say one thing about your podcast. This podcast, you were the first podcast that I found that I listened to and that I loved. And and once and because I was looking for I was so fascinated. One of the first interviews I listened to was um the one you did with Jen Gotch. And and then subsequent episodes since but I was looking for how do people do it how do people I want to hear stories I was just soaking it all in and I still do I'm just such a sponge of wanting to know the creative path that people take and how it's so different for everyone so I this is a real this is a this is going to be a moment in my life that I will remember forever and it's in my book of successes and another thing about your podcast, not just the content, but I just love your voice so much. You have such a nice speaking voice. Thank you. You're very easy to listen to. So that was another thing. So, Aww. so I'm blown away. I'm so happy to be here. I'm sweating, but I feel great. Oh man. You look great. You look great. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I love your black and white nails you've got going on. I, I dressed up like my full self today. Cause I said, I can't interview Caroline without being my full self. Because she brings her full self to the table. So if I don't do that, I'm not doing justice to the interview. Yes, you look fabulous. And I wore my short tie (laughs) for you. It is very short. It is nice. (laughs) 
Yeah, it looks like a normal length tie if I'm slouching. And then when I do and this. And then you're like, oh, it is so short. It's so short. It's so, short. <laughs> so dainty. I was going to ask you, you know, you said, you mentioned that you write down your small wins. What are some other tactics that you've taken as you're on this journey and building and growing every day as a successful comedian, actor, mover? How do you celebrate small wins and how would you advise the rest of us start taking the time to celebrate our small wins on the journey? I give myself a lot of high fives. I gave myself one last night. I, I, I make my best effort to go about the world thinking about things optimistically. I have a positive lens over both of my eyeballs. I put in fresh contacts this morning, actually, just for you and for everyone listening. So I put on my positivity contact lenses and I celebrate by my friend Jillian that I mentioned earlier. She talks about high fives and I try to pay attention. I I go through a list of high fives this week, this past week or, or this month. So do you literally do that? You'll like state all the things you like and then literally high five yourself? Yeah. Like last night I live alone and I finished editing a video for someone for a project that I've been doing this past week. And in terms of that positive lens things thing, I find a go-to reaction is to say, oh, that was a lot of work. I'm glad it's done. But when I catch myself having that line of thinking, I think, you just did that. Great job. And I said, great job to myself. And I did a little dance because I needed to move around. It was like three seconds. I was just like, (laughs) and then for those of you at home, I just waved my arms in the air. (laughs) And then, yeah. And I write things down and sometimes I lie in bed and I, I say, I'm grateful for this. Thank you for this. Great job. I did this. Yeah. So just learning to, just learning to do that, which at first can feel odd getting used to congratulating yourself. But if we're not celebrating ourselves, how do we celebrate other people? Same with self-love. If we are not loving ourselves, how do we love other people? And so it all starts from within. It starts with you. Can't give away what you don't have. I love that. Yeah. And my list of things, I'm I'm trying to be a more organized person. Me too. And I stopped myself from saying, I'm not organized. I was just about to say that. And then I caught myself. I'm trying to be, I'm working on ways to be more organized. So I, this list that I talk about of wins, you know, I have a notebook here with some, and then I also have a Google drive file. And then there's also a thing by my bed with a random list. So it's, I just, I have things written down in places. It's not an organized and I get caught up in thinking, oh, I need the perfect thing to write down everything mm. instead of just you know, grabbing a sticky note if you need to. How yeah. do you, is perfectionism something you struggle with? And if so, how do you work toward not falling into its trap? I, am I a perfectionist? I'm not a perfectionist. How? But teach us your ways. <laughs> teach us your ways, yeah. 
Well, oh, that's a tough one because as you would be able to relate with and people, any, anyone creating anything, it's, there's really no limits. You're not following a formula. If you've created something that you want to create, it doesn't, there's not an equation. It doesn't have specific rigid guidelines as to what that is. And when you do all these things, you'll know you have it done. So my mind goes to editing videos and photos. So if perfectionism means that I will break my back over getting it to exactly how I want it, then yes, I'm a perfectionist. But also something that I think is an interesting part of the creative process is, so for example, filming a whole bunch of footage, you had a vision for what it was going to be. And then for whatever reason, it doesn't come together exactly how you want it, but it's still great. And letting yourself adjust to what this new project is and knowing that it's still going to be great. Am I a perfectionist? It sounds like you are, if I may, Flexible this. one. Yes. Yeah, please do. Please so you're, you're a perfectionist that has released the idea that things can actually be perfect. And so you're doing everything you can to control the content or creativity that you are going to be putting forth into the world. Like you're going to give it your best shot, but you're learning to let go of the things that you can't control. And therefore you're putting out lots of great content because you're not trying to control and mastermind every little thing you're letting go of what you're not able to control. Whereas a lot of people I think are perfectionists to the point where they let perfect be the enemy of good, you know? And so then they don't end up putting anything out ever because everything has to be perfect and they built it up. So it's oftentimes a a self-fulfilling prophecy for us to not do our work. So it sounds like you have taken the good parts of perfectionism and abandoned the bad. Thank you. Would you like to come with me and do all my translating for me for interviews? I would love that. Just a second. Lauren's going to let you know what I just said in clearer words and possibly have more insight into who I am because she's great like that. Take it away, Lauren. (laughs) That would be a funny sketch. (laughs) (laughs) I completely, oh, I just moved this. Yeah, Now we have a nice view of that thing in the background. Okay. This? Yeah, what is that? That's pretty. It's a painting that I did. Oh my gosh, you paint too? I paint. Okay. It's it's pretty big. I want to let you say whatever you're going to say, but I also want to talk about like the fact that you wear many different hats. You have many, even like different colors within comedy and how it's very hard to reconcile for people when we are many different things at once. I have a song about it called Lady in in Black with a Purple Hat. But yes, I want you to say whatever you're going to say, but then let's hit that next. I was going to say... After your eloquent, <laughs> I was going to say that with social media, we of course see lots of perfect things going on, perfect images, perfect lives, perfect this, perfect that. But one thing that I've really had fun doing with my work is to add in that element of it not being perfect. So it's a completed project. I'm happy with the colors and the editing and the how it all lays out, but it's not perfect because you can hear my heavy breathing or I'm sweating, or you can hear the stomping or it's, it's not, it's not perfect. 
which is, which is something that I'm celebrating. So I think that is, I think a lot of those videos are a parody of my own perfectionism or lack thereof. I mean, you can explain that one to me. What I just said. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, um, I, I like it. I think I'm going to have to chew on that a little bit more though. I think, yeah, what you're saying is you're almost like not mocking again, but it's just the easiest word to use. Like you're almost mm-hmm. poking fun at maybe not even yourself, but the idea that especially as women, we always are made to feel like we have to look perfect at all times. And even the funny things have to be flawless. That's a curious thing that I was thinking about with you. You have all these different aspects of yourself, but then you're doing like this really funny stuff. And sometimes with that, you make these like kooky faces and get yourself in these weird positions. Like you're a beautiful woman. You've got a beautiful body, but you're not afraid to let people see all of that, which is something that I still definitely have fear over. Like I feel the need to be pretty and present my best at all times. Is that a conscious thing for you? Or is that just part of you being yourself and showing the full spectrum of who you are? It was a conscious decision to start letting letting myself move in ways that aren't seen as flattering Mm. and aren't flattering or what we know to be flattering. I admired people that would just let it all hang out for lack of a better word. And that's not something I'd ever done before. So it was, it, it took some time and I didn't just dive right into it. I was showing little bits of this. I was letting myself feel that feeling just gradually and slowly. And now I feel pretty into it. Yeah. But, but, you know, I still have my moments where I think, oh man, do I want people to see me like that? Do I like how that looks? Is that, and also, is that representative of what I'm trying to do? Am I, am I proud of this? I'm not trying to create things to be shocking. If I'm creating something because I'm, I'm wanting attention or I'm feeling lonely that day, then I won't post it. I want it to come from a place where I really find it funny. Mm. I feel proud of it. It's coming from a place of just genuine enjoyment and wanting people to see it. Yeah. So that's another thing that I really pay attention to. You're very but sometimes kind of hard to figure out. Yeah. It's very hard to figure out. And it's, I think it's but here's the thing. And I bet you, you've seen this. I notice when I'm posting something, cause I'm feeling reachy or like, Oh, I should post something today. I guess I need to put something out there versus when I'm posting it. Cause I feel really inspired about it, whether that's a podcast episode or an Instagram post or even a song, the reaction is completely different. Like when I'm posting it, just cause it's a genuine thing, it will blow up. But when I'm posting something because I'm coming from a place of lack or fear, the post stays small. <laughs> Have yeah. you found that at all? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Completely. Yeah. It just, the internet knows. <laughs> the internet knows. It feels us. It feels <laughs> when we're getting needy. Yeah, yeah. I completely feel that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, also with that, it's sometimes when you think something is going to be really great and you put a post out there and just, or a post, or since we're talking about Instagram or whatever it is, when you think it's going to be amazing, it sometimes doesn't have the reaction that you think it was going to get. But the the ones that are just quickly thrown together, sometimes those are the ones that really hit home to people. And I, 
and maybe that comes with when something's just kind of done on a whim, it probably just breathes that genuine feeling that people latch onto. And again, that's not a straight equation, but all those things are just so fascinating and often are quite predictable Mm -hmm. in that way. Predictable wasn't the word I was trying to say, but that's Uh, what I was- Patterns, I think is what Patterns, yes, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. Patternable. It's the patternations of the patternables. Yes, loaf life. So getting back to the question about you being many different things at once, as many, most of us are, do you have, do you come up against any conflict with people or even people in the industry or in your own life saying, okay, but what do you really do? How do you deal with people who judge you for being a multi-passionate creative? I, yeah, I can't say I've had specific judgment, but definitely, definitely question when answering questions about, oh, so what do you do? I would say it's more of a judgment within myself of, or oh, I want to do all these things and having a very long list. And for a long time, I thought, I thought maybe I should just focus on one thing and be known for one thing. And that was some advice that I, I got from a few friends along the way as well, just trying to hone your focus, which I get that there's also, there's also benefits to that. But now that I've been embracing with trying all the things, it helped me narrow it down to a few things, but there's still quite a few things within my few things. Right. But yeah. I, did, I tried so many things. Now I know what I really want to spend my energy on. And that's, and, and so that's been helpful. So that's great um, advice. Start with a huge net, throw away the things you don't want, get a yeah. smaller net, and then take them out of the net and play with them. Yeah. All your net buddies. Yeah. And it, all the net buddies. And it's okay to listen to advice from other people. I don't know. I think that's all part of the process. I've gone, I've gone through so many ups and downs in terms of, oh yeah, that person was right. Actually, they didn't end up being right. Oh, this, you know, we're always getting so much feedback from other people or whatever it is online. And we're always getting ideas thrown at us. And it's okay to take that idea, live it for a little while. If, if, you, if you think that maybe it's, there's some truth to it and feel it out. And then you'll really know. I'm definitely someone who needs to try something and feel it and do it and either I don't like to use the word fail at it but decide that either decide that it's not really for me or it just feels like uh, there's a lot of energy being thrown at it and not filling me up very much and then toss it aside toss it into the other net okay I gotta ask you about this you posted a video with Bill Murray can oh, you yeah. can you break down the full story of what happened here? Tell me every detail of this interaction and how you actually got him to perform with you in a video yeah. as your character Doug Carl. Tell me how this went down. I want to know all the particulars. He it was just it was it was just the best day of my life. I was finishing up a family vacation in France. My parents spoiled our family and we went there. And so I was in Cannes. It had just been the, it, I was in Cannes just by chance during the film, during the Cannes Film Festival. And so I knew that he was there. I saw him from afar 
on the red carpet with Selena Gomez and Julianne Moore and a few other people. And so that was, that was really cool. It was neat to be part of the, you know, part of the crowds and see how all that works, the big cameras and fancy stuff. So I knew that Bill Murray was around and I'm not a crazy like celebrity fangirl. I find it really fascinating and I like, I like getting those glimpses, but I wasn't going nuts trying to find him or anything. So I was heading to Paris to meet up with my parents and we were flying, we were going to be flying back home. And I walked onto the airplane and I had put on <laughs> lipstick for whatever reason. And it's, I knew that I was about to be meeting him. <laughs> put on my, I bought some red lipstick and I put on my rouge, put on my rouge and then pinched my cheeks a little bit. <laughs> and so I walked onto the plane and there was a man in the very front row, not in, he was just in uh, economy and he was reading a magazine and had little reading glasses on and looked up at me just by chance. There was a whole line of people, but he, he happened to look up when I walked on and I walked back to my seat and thought, I'm pretty sure that was Bill Murray. And I just got a shiver. And so I texted my mom before we, yeah. I texted my mom and said, I'm pretty sure Bill Murray's on this flight. And she said, you got to go and say something. She was my cheerleader. And so I was sitting in my seat. I was in aisle, I don't know, aisle 30 something. I was way back. But I could, I was directly behind him in the aisle seat. And so I could see the top of his head so I can keep an eye on him. And I had this nervous feeling that I was going to miss my chance to talk to him. But I thought I kept telling myself, Caroline, we're on a plane. He's not going to be going anywhere. You'll have your chance. So I watched the back of his head. And when we were up in the air, waited for my seatbelt light to um, go off. And I walked up the aisle and I was about to make my move and say hi. And he was just totally fast asleep. So I went off to the bathroom, pretended I had to go. I probably just did a couple spins in there of excitement and then caught my breath. You stared at yourself in the mirror. You can do this. Went back to my seat. I waited for the, oh yeah, the drink lady came by. And so he woke up and I could see his head moving. And so after I got my apple juice, uh, I went back up to the front and crouched down beside him. And I said, Senor, are you Monsieur uh, Bill Murray? And he, he took off his reading glasses and smirked and said, yes. And I was like, I'm Caroline and shook his hand. And then I asked him about France and I asked him, I was just crouched in the aisle, totally in the way. I don't know what was happening around me, probably a, a big line up to the washroom, but I was just crouched there. And so I asked him, yeah, about France and if he knows any French. And he said, no, can you teach me a phrase? And so I taught him something that a multimillionaire never needs to ask, but I taught him, combien ça coûte, which means how much does that cost? Which is a <laughs> phrase that I need to know when I go to France. And he, I don't know, I was there for, I was in the aisle for about, I don't know, a minute. And he reached to the, the seat beside him in the middle and took off a book and a magazine. And he said, have a seat, kiddo. Aww. It was just so sweet. And so, you know, airplanes are really uh, tight and he didn't get up. So I just 
straddled him <laughs> to get over into that seat facing him. Pardon me. Wow. Then, what a was, first meeting. <laughs> I know. And then I sat beside him for the whole fight and we talked about his family and he was trying to remember if he'd been to Canada or to, sorry to Edmonton he he remembered being in Calgary for a movie but it was just so he was just so kind and calm and treated me like I was an interesting person and it was just really relaxed we didn't I didn't talk about anything about Hollywood or celebs we just flipped through a magazine and we read our horoscopes. I told him about my parents and my family and my hobbies. It was amazing. And I was like, wow, you're like a friendly grandpa. And I'm just so, it was just such an interesting mix of, whoa, this is a huge celebrity. And then also he's just a normal guy wearing a blue vest and he's going to visit his sister. Did you tell him you were a comedian and an actor and did he give you any advice? I told him a little bit of that a year ago or at that time I hadn't done my shows yet. I had been doing Doug Carl. I did a Doug Carl in, in Europe series. I, and I wasn't doing a lot of this awkward dancing that I was doing now. So it, it was, so at that time I was planning my show and planning all these things. I was really torn between taking the opportunity to pick his brain. And I'm glad you did it the way you did it. Yeah, it felt better because, you know, he was really, first of all, he was very kind to have me sit beside him when he had an empty seat. He was, he was so tired from being at the Cannes Film Festival and he was just very chill. And so I didn't want to, it didn't feel like a thing to do. When he got up to, when the stewardesses, or flight attendant, sorry, asked him to take some photos and when he came back to his seat, and a lot of people on the plane didn't know that he was there, but after he got up and sat back down, you could hear a, like a murmur going through the, the plane. And then I thought, so that's when I asked him if he'd film a little video with me. So I said, I was hesitant to do this, but since, you know, since we have our phones out, are you able to do this a little thing with me? So, so yeah, I gave him, I gave him a bit of stage direction about what I was so nervous and I barely said anything, but I was like, well, I thought that maybe you could do this and that. And he was, so into it. So Bill Murray, if you're out there, hello. We love you. We, we love, love you. you. Thank you well, for thank being you. in the Doug Carl film. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The Doug oh Carl film. Oh my gosh. Film. Well. 20 seconds. So I could that talk was to you all day. Thing. I wish. Oh. Well, you're going to have to come back on because I would we, have, love to. we have a lot that we haven't traversed. I'm wondering, you know, 2020 has, from my point of view, from my vantage point with your life, been an incredibly creatively fulfilling year for you. I know for a lot of people, they felt shut down or disempowered by the events of the world. But for someone listening who is really yearning to get out there more creatively, how would you advise them on like using the rest of this year to express themselves, whatever that means? Mm -hmm. I've only heard positive things from some artists that I know or other creatives where people are, people at home are looking to, they're looking to support, to, to support people who are um, trying to make a go of it. So in that way, I think people are looking, there's a lot of people looking for artists to support and to cheer on. 
And the internet is just, it, it can be so bad and it can be so good. And it, it opens up a world of opportunity from within the four walls that, that surround you being able to sell online or create and show people what you're doing. I, I, I would say get used, get used to try to get used to t- talking about what you're doing or wanting to do something, something that happened to me last week that was amazing was, well, first of all, you know, you hear you, I was being reminded about, well, if people don't know what you want to be doing, then how do they know? So telling people what you want and what you're looking for. So first of all, figuring out what you want and then finding a way to, to tell people that. Last week, as soon as I started telling people that I wanted to do, what did you call it? Creative brand? Branded content. Branded content. I'm going to write that down. Thank you. I told people last, I was telling my friends and family in private that I wanted to be doing branded content. And I thought, how do I do that? And someone reminded me, if people don't know that's what you want, then how do they know? And as soon as I said it, that day I had two jobs. The next day I got a third job and I've gotten, I think, six jobs in a week because wow, because I told people that I wanted to do it. And I'd been, you know, people have been watching what I'm doing. So if people don't know, so I would say that's the first two things, figure out what it is you want to be doing. If you can narrow it down or a few things and then tell people about it. I love it. That's great advice. Thank you. And my final question, it's a two parter, (gasps) but it is one. I believe creativity is deeply connected to our inner child, our little self. And so if you and little Caroline, whatever age you think of her, were standing in the same room and looking at each other, what do you think she would say to you today and why? I think she'd say, will I still be able to do these things when I'm your age? These things, are these okay things to do in terms of you know, being silly and performing. Let me think about that some more. What would she say to me? This is where the questions get deep. Yeah. Man, you got me stumped. That was your question, right? What you want yeah. me, I think, what she would I think say. that's okay. That's a fine thing. If that was your first gut instinct, when people answer this question, I usually tell them, go with your gut. Yeah. Like your gut's usually right. You know, it's a big question. And I'm sure there's a lot of things you would say yeah. if you were seeing an older version of yourself and you knew it. But that's a really interesting and decent, really good question to ask. And what mm-hmm. If you were standing with her, what would you say to her and why? I'd say, Caroline, you are full of talent and you're surrounded by people that will always cheer for you. So go get them, tiger. Aw. I would say that. Well, you are getting them, tiger. And thank you. you I'm too. so, oh, thank you. I'm so appreciative to and for you, for all that you do and all that you are, and for helping us all feel a little bit more comfortable to be ourselves and take up space. Thank you, Caroline. You are a beautiful human being. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening. And thanks to my amazing guest, Caroline Stokes. For more information on her, follow her at I am Caroline Stokes on Instagram and TikTok. Really do it. You will not be sorry you did and you will laugh your ass off. (laughs) Thanks to Liz Full for the show's theme music. Follow her at Liz Full. And again, thank you. Remember, if you like what you heard today, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Follow the show on Spotify. Share the show with a friend and post about it on social media. Tag me at Lauren LaGrasso and at Unleash Your Inner Creative, and I will repost to share my gratitude. Also, remember to tag Caroline at I am Caroline Stokes so she can share it too. My wish for you this week is that you own all of who you are, even the parts that scare you and especially the parts that intrigue you and know how much you deserve to take up space. I love you and I believe in you. I'll talk with you next week.